another edition of Thinking Will. This is the first edition of Thinking Will, Thinking With another person. This uh, first person is a friend of mine, Gregory Hicks. I'll let him uh, introduce himself in a second, and we'll dive right into our conversation, which is about, well, it's about the question, what will it take for each of us to feel sorrow and pain in response to the injury of another? Do you mind just, I, I, I don't like asking people what they do, because I, I don't like to focus on as if like your work or whatever is your uh, identity, but you know, yeah. will you just tell people who you are and, and how you think of yourself participating in the world? Yes, my name is Gregory D. Hicks. Um, I've been uh, professionally acting for about 15 years, but I've been acting the fool my whole life. Um, and just at this place, this juncture uh, in time and just with everything that's going on in the world, uh, racially, politically, I, I find myself more and more using my art as a platform to a to help me, you know, not develop, but help me navigate my own pain and, and things that are happening, but also to, to educate, to heal, to bond, to, Sometimes to just express when you're angry, you know, and express when you're sad. So I also, uh, aside from acting on, on stage and on film, I also write music um, and I also write poetry and I'm a director and yeah, I think that's ultimately it. Uh, and just to just be positive uh, and just to, I'm not a motivational speaker necessarily, but I, my goal is to, to use the talents that I've been given to be blessed with to, to help lift up the world. That's fantastic. And what, what do you want to think about today with me? Ah, so much. Um, you know, when you hit me up with that, I was just kind of like, what, what, what should we talk about? Um, and I think what I want to talk about is how, Human being, like, we should all get to a place, I think. Not I think. We should get to a place where when a human being, no matter what race, creed, ethnicity, uh, socioeconomic status, is hurt or is hurting, we hurt too. Hmm. And I And once we get to that place, there will be no racism classism now of course this is not going to happen in the next 20 years mm -hmm. uh especially especially in, in our society uh american society specifically um i just i i want to talk about that because there was a i can't remember the little boy's name but a little boy a little white boy i think he was like five or six years old and i forget the states too i'm terrible at this obviously um was murdered by i think I think it was like 25 year old black man. And, you know, these white people were saying about this boy, like, oh, he was just playing. He was such a good, you know, such a good boy. Like, you know, we're so sad that this happened to him. And I hurt, I did hurt for that boy. And I did hurt for that family, right? At the same time, I can't tell you how many times I've heard about drive-bys 
where, you know, oh, you know, this this boy, he was getting ready to go to college. He had a full scholarship and now he's dead. And I think from from what I've heard and from what I see, that would be, oh, you know, that's just black on black crime, which is bullshit because (laughs) it's not white on white crime or Asian on Asian crime. Right. Right. So anyway, you have all of this narrative with that but then it's like with this white boy it's like oh my god our hearts should be pouring out and you know GoFundMe should just be pouring in and all that stuff so mm-hmm. i think when we can look at it and say when look at it and say a human being is lost that hurts me as opposed to being like oh that's black and black crime or oh they were actually a drug dealer. Well, that doesn't necessarily, that just makes it easier for you to turn away. You know, uh, so I hear, yeah. So I hear several very interesting things. So one, we should get to this place, which means we are not at that place. Absolutely not. No. So we, it's important to say that, right? Like that is not happening right now. Correct. There is a specific narrative function that participates in our inability to live in that empathetic place, the stories that we tell to each other and to ourselves somehow participates in blocking us from getting to this place. And you haven't said anything specifically about this, but I'd love, you know, to hear like, what is this, how do we conceptualize this time frame of getting Mm -hmm. to this place? Because something that I frequently say to people is it really feels right now like the work that we're doing to put positivity and love into the world is like a seed that won't sprout for maybe a hundred, a hundred years. Sure. Which means I don't expect to see the fruit of it. I don't expect my kids to see the fruit of it. Right. I do think that down the road it will work, but in order to really live into that, I have to conceptualize what it means for people to, do actions that are going to live well beyond their finite life period as a human. So I start to wonder what kind of education is required to get people behind this notion of doing a hundred year project instead of feeling hopeless about the fact that it's not happening now or it's not going to happen tomorrow. I think that, um, you know, with these, with these actions that are happening uh, from law enforcement, from from just people in, in, in towns and cities toward Black people. I think that is like the fire, right? And the thing about fire is if you don't stoke it, if you don't feed it, it'll go out. So I understand exactly what you're talking about. Um, I think the way to do it is to just not necessarily keep the anger burning, but to keep that flame going. And I think the way we do that is we continually pass it, pass it on, um, you know, like you said, your children, my children, and then continue to do that. Um, It's hard though, um, especially, and this is why I say we need to get to this place is because as as a person of color, when you see something like the Breonna Taylor decision, You, you, you still have to, you can feel that, you can feel angry, you can feel sad, you can feel bitter, but then you still have to go on, on with, with, with your life. It's not like that happens and then society's like, yo, 
take a day. <laughs> I got your bills today. I'll cook you something today so you can process this, right? Like we don't have that. We still have to do everything that white society says that we should do. And if we act out of that, oh, we're angry black man. Oh, we're angry black woman. Oh, we're this, you know, we're this mouthy Latina. Did you see what I'm saying? So yes. Uh, what, does, yeah. what does it look like to productively process that grief in your everyday life? Like what, what is the healthy version of that that you're sort of imagining? I think community. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing uh, for me. Like, I, cause okay. Two is twofold. One self-work you being able to get your thoughts out somehow in a healthy way. And then I think, um, then I think going to other people and talking to them about those things. Now, after that, it's going to have to be, you know, white society having to feel those same things and being able to look at it the same way as a black person does or a person of color does. What role does, what role do you think formal education plays in this building of this empathy? Like, do you think that schools can be a place where this type of broader conversation amongst all races in the United States can happen? and start to change the lives of minds of, of young people as they grow up? Or do you think that it has to happen outside of a formal education environment? I think the more that we can look at it, the, the, the more comfortable we'll get being uncomfortable. Right. So if it's only in school and then you get out of it and then you get to live your life and not think about it, right. then that, that's, that, that, that doesn't help. Um, and what I will argue is that in your class, um, that, that was a place where we could think about it and you, you wanted us to think about it and you wanted us to think outside the box and you wanted us, you know, you push that. So if we have teachers like you who are willing to take that on and being like, well, if the university says whatever, then they don't have to say whatever because I'm going to still do this, you know, but um, when you have an institution like education that is a business now and it is not uh, you know for for what you're talking about it's it's kind of hard to do that yeah i mean i think one problem is anytime a school or any any institution imagines that it's somehow separate from everyday life then that's where the problems come in right it's like when politicians say that nobody outside of the dc area cares about this policy decision they're making a mistake that yeah. governmental politics somehow is separate from the life of somebody in Nebraska, right? Like it's, it's not, it's, it should, it's all right. anything you learn in a classroom setting is related to what's happening right now outside of the building and in the street, but we've developed sure. a structure of, of not talking about it that way. But I think that the things that you're talking about, this sort of, some people call it empathy, being able to actually feel for other people, that is not something that is taught. No. And yet it is something that is learned. Because kids, yes. watch, kids watch others process emotions <clears throat> or stoke anger 
you know, so it's not a formal sure. teaching learning process, but it's definitely, there is learning involved in this. So what do you, like, what do you think? Do you think that this is a, that empathy, this type of empathy for other people is a, a skill that can be, you know, cultivated, like really like learned and taught, or do you think that it, it's, it needs also to predominantly be like a, a family-based thing? And I ask that because if it, if it's a personal family-based thing, then I think the time frame we're looking at is a very long time. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. Like I said, uh, I, I would say both. Um, I would say that because no matter what you can do in a, in a setting that's outside your home, like you still have to go back to that home. So if you're learning how to empathize and then you come home and then you don't have to empathize, then, you know, then you're doing this. Right. right? So, <clears throat> right. I think, uh, it, I, okay, I'll say this. I think it has to, it might not, all the work might not have to be done at home, but I think there has to be enough work done at home to where you can conceptualize and open your mind to when you go somewhere to receive the training, right? Because like I said, I mean, it's, it's like with anything, like if you go to a technical school and you do all of this stuff at this technical school and then you come out of that school and then you never use it, then it doesn't, you know, same thing with Spanish, big time example with Spanish. Like you can do four years of it and then never actually apply it. And then you forget it. And you're like, oh, I wonder why I forgot right. that. You're right. It's about that again. It's about integrating it into your everyday life. <laughs> and I think that that's what in this, when I do grief work with my wife, that's one thing that we sort of draw people's attention to is, you know, once you sort of like really try to integrate your deep feelings into your interactions, which means like naming how you're feeling with others, even yeah. if it makes people feel uncomfortable. Yes. <clears throat> that shows others another way of dealing with this complicated issue. You know, it, it doesn't let people escape from the conversation. It doesn't force them to have it in a certain way, but it reveals that you as an individual are working to process some complex emotions right now in your everyday life. Right. And then that helps us to, so when I'm, you know, walking down the street, if I see somebody yelling at somebody else, my first thought is not like, that's a crazy person. My first thought is, I bet that person's going through some stuff right now. Sure. And this is a manifestation of that. So I hear you, but I do think that, well, I think that this is a very important topic. I mean, I'm yeah. wondering what, so like what types of things can we, you know, suggest to people to do to start cultivating this, this type of empathy for people? <clears throat> just opening your mind. Just, just not, just, okay. Opening your mind. How do we do that? Um, make it, how do we do that? That's hard. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, otherwise we wouldn't need the matrix. Um, <laughs> right. Be careful uh, the pill you take. Yeah, yeah Really? Um, I, I think t first of all, talking, right? Like if they're like, if you are anybody, if you are a white person that's from privilege and you don't necessarily know that you have privilege and that you talk to somebody that's a person of color, then like, just, just hear them. Um, there's, practice, I the so practice talking and listening and feeling at the same time. Right. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't talk and then hold your feelings back. Right. But but then you have to be comfortable enough to be able to do that, right? Um, you and, and you say what? You have to practice. Like that's why you have Absol to practice. absolutely. Um, and 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 it's different, right? For because 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 for people of color, it's 
you have to hold back so that you're not angry because if you're angry, then either like nobody's going to listen to you or they're going to take you too seriously. And then it's become something bigger. And then I think like with white people, it's, um, well, we don't want to do this because we don't, you know, it's too icky and, and, and we don't, we don't want to touch that. Like we want to go on with our lives. And so do we. It's just that, you know, when you watch a video, you're having a good day and you watch a video on your phone of a white police officer putting his neck, his knee in the neck of a black person. And they're yelling and screaming for their mother for eight minutes and 44 seconds. Like your day is shut. Like you can't unsee that. You can't, you know, you can't disconnect from that. Mm -hmm. And I think the more that that is a thing for everybody Hmm. then 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 we can start really doing some work but until until that happens i think it would require allowing yourself not you know not not to just get on with your day which means yes having more time where you're quote unquote doing nothing except for processing emotions you know right and that might be one of the weird benefits of this strange pandemic time is that if temporality is generally broken now mm-hmm. because the day is very weird. The weekends and the weeks are blurring together because, you know, we have forced to rework our lives. Why don't we actually rebuild our temporal structures to include some of this time for just processing emotions? Well, I think the big answer to that would be our current leadership mm-hmm. <laughs> in the United States. Uh, and, and and the reason why I say that is because, you know, it's this push. Oh, we got to get back. 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 And if the leader is saying this, then, of course, you know what I mean? Yep. But if, if our leader was more so like, hey, understanding and empathetic and not worried about the economy, yeah. then so much about the economy. I'm not saying like, let, let it all go free because, well, so, you know, those are polar opposites. You got to so have part one is so homework assignments for everybody. Part one is practice talking and feeling at the same time and letting yourself feel it. Part two is look for other leaders, you know, which is not, which is not to say that you just have to like abandon your ideological beliefs entirely. It's saying, why don't you look around for some different types of leadership and actually see other ways of doing things. Only then will you actually be able to decide which direction you want to go, you know? Sure. So that's a, that's a big one. I mean, this is, I'm thinking about November right around the corner and I'm sure we're, we're in for a few months of just of difficult pain, but what we're advocating for here is to sit in that and really feel it and process it on a daily level for ourselves with our like-minded communities. And then eventually with people who don't share the same ideas. Yeah. Oh, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of, it's a lot of work. And that's why we need people. That's why we need community. Cause it's too hard for a hundred people to do. It's way too hard for even 10,000 people, a hundred thousand people to do. Like it has to be starts a huge, massive thing. But and of course small. it might start out like that, but that's yeah, what yeah. yeah. Right. Again, it's like little seeds, right? You plant the little seeds and then eventually the wind picks it up and blows it farther. Right. Things start to spread. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Oh, fantastic. Well, I'm going to stop the recording. We can keep talking for a little bit, but thank you for doing this with me. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure.